0: Well folks, finally 2020 is over, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. That quote has been running through my head basically all week long and today Dustin and I got together to reminisce about what this year was like for both OPT and Deep Astronomy. And We share those thoughts with you and we take some questions from our live streaming audience. If you would like to watch these episodes being recorded, we often stream these on our Deep Astronomy channel, as well as Facebook and the Clear Skies Network on Twitch. So, it's been an interesting year. So, let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from deepastronomy.space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the final Space Junk Podcast for 2020. With me is Dustin Gibson, my good friend, uh, to talk about all the stuff that happened this year. And there was a lot. We're going to take a look back on 2020 and say goodbye, thankfully, to a lot of the bad stuff. Uh, but also, it's been a good year and been a great many respects. So we're going to talk about that. It's also, we'll look a, we'll, we'll take a look ahead into the year of 2021 and see what we're looking forward to in the next year. So Dustin, I can't tell you how happy I am to be able to spend this day with you. I miss you. I haven't seen you in a few weeks now because you've just been crazy. We've both been crazy busy, but, uh, yeah.
1: How you been doing, man? Get, oh get man. I haven't seen anybody. World, I've seen Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've seen the, uh, OPT. She's the co-owner um, of
0: OPT for those of you who
1: don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen Ginny. you know, I see her just about every day. Um, and everyone else I see, you know, through our, our zoom meetings and things like that. But, uh, no, it's been, it's been chaos and in, in all the right ways, it's been chaos. And, um, I, you know, I was just telling, um, uh, one of the other, um, industry leaders <laughs> from, uh, from, uh, one of the manufacturers anyway, and was just telling them, it's like, you know, we've had 10 years of growth in the hobby in a year. We we've seen so many new people, so many, I mean, it's like the community has just not only grown, but kind of like solidified. It's really everybody's come together. And I'm seeing less of the negative comments. You know, one of the things I'm a photographer at heart, I do astrophotography. But for me, it's almost reversed. It's like I do photography astro, you know, like I'm a photographer at heart. And I got into astrophotography because one, I'm fascinated by space for the philosophical perspectives that it gives you. But the other is that as a photographer, if you want to push yourself, it's like you have to either go to underwater photography or astrophotography. I don't like sharks or anything else that swims that can bite. So astrophotography, it was, And I just, I like the perspective. I love the challenge. I love that it's like no matter how good you get, there's always another challenge. And even with the targets, like you can shoot M42, you know, the Orion Nebula your first day out and be amazed by it. And you can shoot it 10 years later and still be challenged to to really push the image. And I loved that challenge. But it's just, um, it's one of those things where like photography is my passion but i don't spend much time in the photography community for traditional photography because i feel like honestly there's a there's a lot of forums there's a lot out there where the conversation gets very toxic very quickly people you have like the purist you know you still have people complaining that you know you're using digital photography and you're not an actual photographer because you're not using film and and the the conversations are often very guarded and very much like Well, this is the way it needs to be done. And I worry, you know, especially when I first got into this, that there would be kind of some of that leaking into the astrophotography community, which is the exact opposite. The astrophotography community is very much like, how can we help? Here's everything I've learned. Take all of this knowledge from me early so that you don't run into any of the pitfalls, so that you don't spend the money, you know, wasting time, energy and potentially you know, the dollars that could be driving you forward in your hobby and your passion and, you know, run into the things that end up getting you a telescope that's going to end up in the closet and, and you're frustrated. So, you know, it was really, really nice to see that as this year progressed and so many new people came into the community that the negativity didn't. And it's just like I'm seeing overwhelmingly positive conversations on every platform that I'm a part of and I, I love to see that, man. It's so encouraging.
0: So what do you think happened,
1: man? I mean, you said you, you've you noticed
0: that the negative comments have kind of gone and the, you know, just uh, things have accelerated so much as a result of all the things that have happened this year. Are, are you seeing increased, like, interaction with customers you've already had? Or are you seeing new people that you've never heard from before? Beginners or you know, what's going on? What do you think Both.
1: happened? Both. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. It, it's crazy, man. I mean, the whole industry has exploded. Um, since March, which makes sense. You think about it. I think all hobby industries have, honestly, where things you can do at home safely and things that you know you can do with your family, you can do um, to push yourself and just have a hobby, something you can grow in. That stuff has all exploded. And you see it, you see it across everything. You see it across like fitness equipment. Um, you know, really, really, I I don't need to name them all because everybody knows what these hobbies are, but basically everything you can do at home safely has just gone through the roof. And astronomy is part of that. And so um it's it's really interesting that it took something so negative, and I almost feel bad saying it. There's like a little bit of guilt that comes attached to that conversation because. It's the best time for astrophotographers this last year. You know, there's been so much growth in the community, so much, so many new people and so much success for people getting their new photos. And really, I mean, people have made careers out of astrophotography this year and been very successful doing it. That was something that you might see one or two people before doing. I know a dozen people now that are just doing astrophotography full time, which is amazing. Like what a dream that is. You know, for people and I love seeing it. It wasn't possible before. But then again, like I said, there's almost like a little bit of guilt attached to that, because at the same time, man, my heart breaks for the people, you know, like like restaurant workers or people that are in service industries that can no longer have their their career because of the chaos of 2020, I mean, it's, it's devastating. It's like they say, man, it was the best of times and the worst of times. (laughs) Exactly. I can't get that out of my head this year. It's
0: like, I keep the, that's why I'd use that title for this episode. It was like, I just, you know, that, that quote from Charles Dickens just really seems appropriate right now. But, uh, the, I don't know, this, this, this year, it just seems like, you know, I'm always surprised because I, I grew up with, amateur astronomy being very niche right just a small handful of really diehard people got into the what i call the hobby of amateur astronomy and by that i'm defining it as someone who goes through the trouble of buying a telescope taking it outside on a regular basis and doing something with it uh that always seemed like it was going to be a small group of people just because that's been my experience growing up uh all these and you know doing all this all these years but boy was I wrong and it has as you said exploded and I'm pleasantly surprised by it and I wonder if you think that this has staying power you've said that people have made careers based you know yeah. just this year alone on their astro photos do you think that this is a flash in the pan or do you think this is likely to stick
1: no because it's not a hobby where people buy the product they buy the experience and they buy the perspective you know i I absolutely I love it. the gear. I love the gear. And I, I every time something new comes out, I want to see it. I want to go go out and use it. And I get excited about the smallest change on a spec sheet, you know? And so I nerd out in that way, you know, and I do it for photography. I definitely do it for telescopes and tele- or astronomy cameras, all that stuff, even filters, everything. But it's not what holds me here is not the next new filter. It's that I can go outside and see, and more importantly, share things that no humans before us have ever been able to. And not only that, but I can combine what I find from, you know, conversations and books. And that's really how I look at like philosophy books. It's like, you're not reading a Henry David Thoreau book. It's just a one-sided conversation with Henry David Thoreau. And you're learning from this person, you know, um, or Marcus Aurelius, you're learning from this person. It's just a one-sided conversation. But so you have this this human connection to our past and to, you know, the, the well of human understanding. But now you also get to look past that the other direction and bring in the, the things we don't understand yet. And you get to see where that intersection is and that's something that astronomy can provide that very few things can we get to see right where that intersection is of what we know and what we don't know and that's why I don't think it's going away
0: and and experiencing it firsthand uh, f- at firsthand is is as you say the the difference there i guess the the barrier for entry has become such that it has been lowered such that you now can have a really as you say, a philosophical experience. I know I've certainly had them, you know, either behind an eyepiece or or as you look at photos that you've taken. Uh, in a way that you really never could before, it was really hard to do, very frustrating, very discouraging to do all that work. And nowadays, it's hardly discouraging; it's very encouraging. You see results that maybe aren't great, but they're there and they're yours. And you're like, "Wow, look what I did!" And then the next thing you know, you're you're exploring in ways that really wasn't possible 20 years ago. So I guess I guess as long as it stays that way, and there's all indications are that it will, or in fact, it'll get easier uh, as time goes by, then I think you're right. This will probably have some staying power to it. The the world of amateur astronomy is just getting bigger by the week. And I I guess the only thing that can stop us (laughs) is light pollution or Starlink or something, you know, getting in our way uh, that makes the stars less accessible to us. But what how big how big of an issue do you think the the pandemic was in drawing this? Do you think people went to it into amateur astronomy because they couldn't do really much else or they were thinking no, about what know, they could
1: do? I, I just did um I just did an interview for a paper out in the Northeast and they asked that same exact question. And it was the first time I really thought about it. Because my my initial response would be yes, I think the pandemic caused a lot of the new interest, but then step back and I thought that's not true. Because, you know, if you go back to even our podcast before all this happened, we were already talking about the explosion. You were calling it the golden age of astronomy two years ago. And, you know, so it's like, can we really say that this took off when this happened? No, this took off way before this happened. You know, obviously this amplified it, but it was going this direction. And what really happened was we had an industry already making advances in the directions that were, in my opinion, correct. We were focused on two things, bringing costs down and simplifying the experience. So that, as you call it, the barrier for entry was lower, right, on both fronts. Mm -hmm. And that was Mm -hmm. happening very, very rapidly. I mean, we talk about simplification, you know, um, look at the Stellina, look at the EV scope, Right. right? What you can do with those, would have been the most modern science 15 years ago. I mean the most modern science 15 years ago. and I mean, they're interconnected globally. like it's it's insane what those things can do. And so for three and four thousand dollars, which is still it's a ton of money. But being able to get into experiences like that for a cost that is so relatively low, how else can you spend three grand and explore the entire universe? Right, people are going to go out and, <laughs> and spend an extra three grand on heated seats in their car and feel <laughs> like, oh, point. yeah, I never thought of, that. yeah, oh, that's pretty cool. Seats, my my seats heat up in my car. How convenient, yeah. right? I don't know where the hell I am in the universe, but check out these seats, right? And it's like, you know, and I think a lot of people are are starting to see is warm. <laughs> people are starting to see that it's like. I think the biggest hurdle wasn't the cost and it wasn't how difficult it was because I mean, this hobby attracts the most intelligent people. It's my favorite thing in the world about being in this industry. Everyone I talk to is incredible. Everybody's so smart, man. And you learn so much from everyone you talk to. And um, I think that the real hurdle wasn't those two things. It was people not knowing it was accessible. Like I, I didn't. I was 27 years old. I, I didn't know I could go out and get a telescope and really that I could, you know, I, I knew they existed, but I didn't know that they did what they do. And you don't, know, there's no reason to know unless you've had someone be kind enough to show you one, or, you know, you ever just got curious enough to roll the dice on a, a relatively expensive tool to do something like that, you know? And once you know, you can't unknow. It's in your blood at that point. And that's why when you're like, Hey, is this going away? No one looks through a telescope and doesn't want to look again. Zero people That's have right. ever done that. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> so, <laughs> zero people. And if they have. And the
0: error bars are, 100, are like 100%. Yeah.
1: You know for sure. that <laughs> If someone looks through a working telescope and finds nothing to be interested about, I have nothing to say to that person. We have zero in common. If you can't be blown away by the awe of the entire universe, we, there's nothing we can talk about you know yeah that's true that we got
0: nothing to say but i just want to say yeah. in defense of heat in, in defense of heated seats i used to think that they were a bit of a, a luxury too until i had one in illinois in the middle of january and then they were worth that three thousand dollars <laughs> yeah i just like oh this is nice so in defense of a heated now what they need what you need now is a stellina with a heated seat and off you go right
1: and that's all it takes you put heated seats on something and all of a sudden three grand becomes a bargain that's right (laughs) you know exactly right and that's That's exactly exactly what i'm talking about though is that we spend so much money on things like i bet i bet i challenge anybody to go around your house and look at things try to add up things to equal you know a thousand dollars because now i would say a thousand dollars Get you into a very very real astro imaging rig that can do a lot, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, um and I'd say go go around your house and look at try to find a thousand dollars worth of things that are adding zero value to your life. <laughs> it's gonna take <laughs> it's gonna take six seconds, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I that's all I mean is that you know even even these stalinas it's always the first thing that I hear from people is. Well, the Stellina is so expensive and I don't mean like the Stellina is not the only option. Neither is the EV scope. I still use, um, you know, kitted systems way more than I use the automated systems. I just like the simplicity of the automated systems, but I still prefer to buy the telescope, the mount, the camera separately, put it all together, go out and collect my own data. I still prefer that. Um, I only use the other systems when I'm showing new people. That I just want a really simple, set it on the ground, turn it on, and they can be successful with it their first time. But for three grand, man, it's like, I can't think of a way where you're going to have something to last, you know, for, for so long that's going to be a tool to give you as much. Like, what's going to give you as much perspective and experience and conversation, you know, a way to connect to other like-minded people than a tool like a telescope?
0: Yeah, I I hope that all of this newfound interest in this, both the hobby and just looking up in general, is uh, goes toward helping us, to kind of understand and appreciate the the stuff that's going on with the planet itself. So I'm really hoping that it, that the wisdom. Uh, increases with this with this with this increase in the hobby as you say very well i don't see how else you can do this without feeling somewhat humbled uh by all of this yourself and to appreciate your place in the universe once you finally start to get it uh it becomes the wisdom just starts to grow in in all of us and i think that is sorely needed not just knowledge not just what's up in the sky where are things in the sky but the ability to think about what all of this means and how to uh React appropriately to the stuff that's happening on our planet. I hope it helps with that. I really do. I don't know if it will. Um, I am very discouraged many, many times when I, especially when I talk about things like uh, the cl- uh, climate change and the things that happen on this planet and with economies and all this stuff. It's hard to see the good in people when you see a lot of this negative stuff going on but here's one yeah, area absolutely. where we can look and we can be like yes, okay I have hope now. <laughs> thank you yes yeah. go let's 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 look through an eyepiece together and or let's let's check out let's connect to a Selena at a star party or over you know uh, the internet or whatever it is and and get uh, get connected that way. Yeah. So I um, let's let's take a look back. You want to just look back at the year? What, what are the things that stand out to you? And then I'll go after you do what, what are some of the things that stand out to you, uh, for this year, either personally or with OPT or the amateur astronomy?
1: Uh, my, my team, man. Um you've met most of my team and the team has grown a lot this year when we're in meetings Well yeah by the t- yeah
0: I haven't met a lot of them now. Yeah. <laughs> you've no, grown I mean, so much
1: like this year. Doubled maybe tripled in size. But um yeah the team's grown a lot but I have to say that I I've never seen anything like it ever in my life. People that just come alive to make things happen and people that take their work so personally. You know and I I've um I've owned other companies um, actually, with with Jenny, the other owner of OPT, um, and we had employees that I would I would speak the world of. I thought they were great, but I can honestly say I've never seen anything like this. And I think it's because it's the industry it is. I don't think it's just because of the people. I'd say myself included, but I think it's it's like you, Tony. How much of your time do you give for free? to just help people understand and be excited about this. I mean, I I know you will. I know, man, it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot. More, of than time. more than I should.
0: I know that. Yeah. It's a <laughs> lot of your time,
1: man. Yeah. And I think that there's something that gets, once you've seen this, you want to share it and it's no different, but watching the team turn on, I mean, we faced real adversity this year. I mean, it was, it was one of the biggest challenges I've ever seen. And and we were telling Everyone at the beginning of this, like, hey, look, the industry is going to explode. These companies, all the companies in the industry are going to grow right now very rapidly. And that's great. That's great. But the thing that people don't understand is that ultra rapid growth is as wonderful as it is. It is also the scariest time for any business. Business owners that aren't terrified when that happens are the ones that no longer have businesses a year later. Because right, it some is, people
0: don't survive it, do they? They grow no, so fast. No, they, it, it rapid growth is right. more
1: dangerous than slow periods in a lot of ways, um, because yeah, it, I've heard of that. it it can be absolutely devastating if you can't scale up in time. And businesses are every business owner in the world tries to create a scalable operation, but when you're in a niche industry, and you see this with a lot of manufacturers too. It's a real challenge because things take time to develop and there you have to have a level of expertise and everybody you bring on your team. And obviously that pool is a lot smaller than going out and trying to find something for like general labor or, you know, help with something that is just, you don't have to know much about the industry or the tools used or any of that. So, um, scaling takes time and it's a very real challenge. And in our, our spot, we were in a very unique position, which is, we have the largest net in the world for um, you know reaching astronomers, astrophotographers, professional astronomers, that whole thing. And so we are depended on, we are trusted, and that trust is what keeps us in business. I mean, we're, tomorrow is our 74th anniversary, and it's only because we're trusted, and we have to maintain that trust. If we break trust, we might as well not be here. And we had the hardest customer service period time ever, and uh, we are still climbing out of it around eight, the end of April going into May. I mean, it was an absolute nightmare because of our position. We, you know, we're we taking in the customer's request, as is our job, trying to inform customers, but manufacturers are literally doing everything I can. It felt so bad for them. They are doing everything they can, but COVID destroyed their uh, production capability. You know, they, they weren't able to source the things that before they were. They weren't able to bring their people in to build the telescopes or, you know, to even to machine anything. And so they would say, hey, we're going to have a six-week lead time. And so we tell the customers, hey, we're going to have a six-week lead time. And then they get hit by, you know, they get hit in Italy or, you know, in England. And all of a sudden, they're told by the government, shut down shut down until this is over, you know, and it pushes it back six weeks. But, you know, and then so on the customer's front, it's just like, and and rightfully so, it's like, well, where's my stuff? That's how I would feel too, is where's my stuff? I paid for this stuff. Where is it? But on the manufacturer's side, and obviously on our side, we're like, oh my God, we are so sorry. There's like, there's literally nothing we can do to get it any faster. But then that's amplified when it was one sale happening at a time, and now it's 30 sales happening every minute, you know. Um, and so it's, uh, it, was, it was crazy, man. And it still is, but we're getting ahead of it now because all the manufacturers have turned back on and started ramping up their production. Right, supply chains have gotten hit by a lot of different oh industries God, as man. well. But I want to, but as you were talking about, I got to thinking
0: when about twenty years ago, a lot of eyepieces and uh, optical elements for refractors were made in Japan. Um. At this would have been this would have been you know 90s 1980s and 90s that kind of area. What, what is that still true? Um. Or is it mostly Chinese uh, manufacturers now? Who's making most of the actual optics, the ones that the, oh. the pieces of glass that go into a yeah, eyepiece or we, a telescope?
1: We get things from probably 15 different countries. Um. It's, oh, so all, it's all over spread the world. out now. Okay. Yeah, it's all over all the right. world. Um, and I, would say that, you know, it used to be the kind of thing where there was a kind of a stigma to, uh, optics coming out of China. Like, oh, well, they're yeah, not going to be as I good, remember that. uh, man, they, they've gotten so good. Like it, the optics you get from anywhere in the world now are just superb. You're finding things that right. are just phenomenal. And Agreed. Um, that's not true anymore. No, absolutely Some of the real cheap
0: stuff, maybe, maybe,
1: you you know, but that's true of anything that's cheap, right? But I mean, we, we don't carry a lot of that stuff because it's just, we're not, we're not here to sell somebody something. We're here to get somebody into the experience, you know? So we don't, we don't carry the stuff you're going to find at Costco or any of that stuff, you know?
0: Right. And and reputable companies with outstanding optical elements, you know, Takahashi is obviously Japanese, but the, uh, and, and other companies use optical elements in their eyepiece that are from, that are from manufacturers in China and other places. And nobody can dispute the quality of those eyepieces. So it's what, what, when we were interviewing, um, uh, David Nagler way back when he said something that still sticks with me about, and he's, and, and you say something very similar about OPT, which is you're selling an experience, but and Teleview said that they were, that he sells views. You know, mm-hmm. he likes to right. share, you know, that's what he is in the market for. And, and, he, and he made a comment about the quality control in in his assembly line do you remember that he said he said that this you know if if it, it it's very strict every single optical element that comes to them is 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 rigorously looked at and checked and tested If it's not met to snuff, they send it back, right? It doesn't make it uh, into their product line. So that, I think, has changed a lot because I remember, wasn't there a time, I think in the 80s and 90s, Mead's reputation sort of went down uh, with some of their optical elements because I think in part because of their quality control. But that's the key. If you're an American company or a local company and you're selling things from abroad, as long as your quality
1: control Is very high, you're gonna be selling good stuff, regardless of where it's made, right? Right. Yeah. And so and we have a couple of ways. We're we're in a very fortunate position in that we can put pressure where it needs to be applied on manufacturers themselves. So if there's a product that, you know, let's say we we carry products, not brands. And so if we carry, let's say we have a certain brand that we will represent, if Nine out of 10 products that they make are they have a really good reputation, they are serving the customer, they're not having a lot of issues. Then we only carry nine out of 10. If there's only one out of 10, then we carry one out of 10. But if we start to see those things back, then every single one of those goes back. And so you can imagine that at that scale, like how much of that stuff would come flying back. We call them boomerangs. (laughs) You know, Um, if they send that out (laughs) to us and our customers are not happy with it, it's going back. And that's our way to say, and it's coming off our website, right? And so that's a way that that financial hit is very serious. And so it makes every, you know, everybody that at least that we deal with take that quality control that much more seriously. And it helps us because, you know, that's the information that we get that they don't necessarily get. So it's very valuable to them as well. Because it's like they need to they need to know like what is the customer's experience and they don't always hear it directly from the customer, and so having that information and being able to do something with it to make sure that we're always progressing in the direction of service to the customer, then that's something that um, you know is really beneficial and it makes sure that people that get into the hobby stay into the hobby because there's nothing more frustrating than when you you go out and you spend your hard money and the thing that you paid for. You didn't have this vision of owning this glass. You had this vision of seeing the night sky. (laughs) That's a good point, yeah. (laughs) And so being able to go out there and do that, then people stay into the hobby. But if you buy this stuff, you get it, you wait. I don't don't know though, man. if I had a Takahashi, I think I'd just stare at it for a while. Yeah, no, talks are they're it. beautiful scopes, man. They, they <laughs> really like, are. You know, they're that, built like nice. tanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're they're beautiful scopes. But you know that that was part of the reason we did the Radian Line. And that that Radian Line has been a tremendous success. Um, another big thing just, for 2020. Yeah. Yeah. That was another thing is You know, number one on my list would definitely be the team and just how amazing they've been um, at turning on in the face of just serious adversity. Um, But the second thing would definitely be the Radian line. I mean, it's it's absolutely exploded. Working with Trevor was um, it's definitely one of the top experiences I've ever had. Trevor's such a cool guy. He's he's so much fun to deal with. But um, that that Raptor is just, it's really helping people get into astrophotography for not a lot of money. It's under a thousand dollars and you can do professional level imaging with it. You know, I mean, people are taking Apod quality images with this thing already. So, um, yeah, that, and they're flying. I mean, I I walked in yesterday, there were probably another hundred sitting there that were going out yesterday, you know? And so it's, um, it's really, really good stuff, man, that, that it's just getting more and more accessible. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, who are
0: listening, the uh, Radiant telescopes is uh, OPTS line of uh, telescopes, and, and well, actually, telescopes accessories too, because you also came out with the tripod this year as well. That's really awesome.
1: So yeah, we've we've got guys... several products under that line now. The tripod is you know, there, the is the is the Triad filter also under Radiant line. It is. Or is that just something? that was the oh, very okay. first Radiant product was the Triad filter, and that's just because the very first problem we attacked was light pollution. <laughs> it's the biggest problem, <laughs>
0: right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, so
1: oh, it's just okay. like we got to do something
0: about this. Yeah, so that was a big deal. Uh, so the you know the Raptor came out this year. Uh, the the tripod came out, um, and of course, you guys are doing gangbuster business up here. But um, anything else stand out for twenty twenty for you? Looking back,
1: uh, well, the good things. I like to talk about the good things, right? the The bad things, obviously, you're seeing it everywhere, man. I mean, so many people sick, so many people hurt, so many. Uh, jobs lost, all that stuff. It's not that's not where right. I try to focus because very little that can be done about that, and the things that can are being done in most cases. So, um, I think that you know this this podcast has been another real uh, point of enjoyment. And so, as you know, one one of the things I should mention is I never would have started streaming like live streaming myself if it hadn't been for this year. You know, it was back when Ian was running our marketing team. I think he's actually on here right now. So um, Yeah, Ian, I saw him. Yeah, Ian can take full credit for that because it was Ian that pushed me to do it. He asked me for two months to do that, and I kept saying no, man. It was just too too slammed. Um, but finally, I just turned it on, uh, got on Twitch. I didn't even know what Twitch was, honestly. Got on Twitch and just started talking about astronomy and live streaming on Instagram every single day. And I did that for roughly three months every single day. Um, it ended up being like well over 100 hours that uh, I did just on that alone. And um, and it was the best way for me to, you know, I, I, a lot of people have, have messaged me and just saying like, hey, thank you so much for how much you've like, helped me get into the hobby or, you know, avoid, like I said earlier, the pitfalls. But I don't think people realize how much they helped me understand really the directions that we should be going the things that we did need to provide and the things that I needed to learn because when people start asking questions you realize how very little you know when you have to be the teacher you realize all the gaps in your knowledge and so it helped me identify a lot of that and I learned a lot from the community a ton and I brought all that back to OPT University and now that stuff is taught every single day at opt to the team so um yeah man i mean i think the team probably helped me more or the uh the community probably helped me more than i helped them for me when
0: i look back on 2020 i have a slightly different story to tell in the sense that i spent most of this year scrambling (laughs) Uh, because i had decided back in uh 2016 that i was going to make uh you know, I was going to go do deep astronomy full-time as a science communicator. And then over the years, um, it, it, it sunk a lot of time and effort into that to build a really nice community, which I'm very proud of. But at the same time, it was uh, I still had to supplement that with other things. And the things that I was supplementing it with really took a hit this year. And so I spent a, I, I had to – the only thing I was really doing online this year, you know, you're talking about streaming – was this podcast and uh, Tony's Twitch Tuesday, and the the times that I was, I was streaming on Clear Skies Network, um, and then a few streams on Deep Astronomy on Thursdays. Usually that was every Thursday, uh, so I I had to take a. Uh, step back in 2020 from my science science content creation uh to deal with just realities of of my life so when we get to the part where we're talking about looking ahead i've made some plans where i'm hoping that'll all be changed here looking forward so but there has been this has been like i said the best of times the worst of times and it's been a real joy working with you throughout the year because it's it's good to uh you know experience the the excitement that's going on with AT, a- OPT. I just like being a part of that. I like being at the Cool Kids table so I can I can just watch you guys go because you guys are, are a company unlike anything I've ever seen uh, in terms of not just how you meet the community's needs, but, you know, just your attitude about everything. And it just doesn't matter um, that, you know, if, if someone is unhappy with anything. That's got to get fixed first and foremost. And and I just don't meet in many companies that way. And I've, it's easy for me to get cynical. It's easy for me to get down on corporations and capitalism in general, when I see what a lot of, a lot of stuff that goes on. And when I saw a lot of disingenuous stuff going on during the pandemic with other companies trying to be caring and all this kind of stuff. But it's it's really good to see a company who actually walks the walk, and so that's why I'm just really pleased to be associated with with OPT and what you guys are doing. So, um, yeah,
1: so, you're part of the family, man. You you have been yeah. for years
0: now, and, and I feel um, like it. And that's the thing; yeah. I feel like I am. So,
1: yeah, it's it's really important. Yeah, and so it's, congratulations it's on work, your success this year. Well, thank you. It's work worth doing, you know. And yeah. so even in yeah. the hard years, like I like I say, man, this this year has been probably the biggest year ever for this industry ever. And it has also been the most challenging year ever. And I'm I'm hearing that from everybody. And so (laughs) with that said, though, I have absolutely no regrets, man. The only thing I want to change is getting back to being able to meet every single need as quickly as possible. You know, like, all of that stuff happening as soon as people want it to, because there's nothing worse than when people come to you with, Hey, I just want to have fun. I want to be excited about this. And then they can't, they, they call and they can't get in touch with us or they email us and we can't get back in time, you know, and on the back end, it looks like, well, do they just not care? The piece that they don't see is, you know, there were 50 people here. And in that 40 minutes, we got 650 phone calls right and stuff like that and so it's like oh my god you know and and it's like there's no excuse it's just we have to scale to meet the need and um and it's it's heartbreaking when you have somebody get upset because you know they didn't come to you upset they came to you to enjoy this and we don't ever want to be in the way and so man that is like our our primary focus is just getting that fixed all the way around in the whole industry, I can say, I'm not talking to anybody who's not saying that's our primary focus because every company in the industry is feeling that same exact pain. But let me ask you, man, have Have you had, I know it's been a challenging year. And like you said, you've been scrambling all year. Do you have any regrets? Or are you glad this is the path you chose? I
0: was talking about this on t- Uh, T cubed on Tuesday where it was like my life has gone through three so far main phases Um, up to my 20s I was this was I was in my lost phase I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life and I was scrambling you know I joined the army and then when I got out of the army uh, that period up until about uh, 2016 so most of my life was spent as professional astronomer Tony I got to live the life of my dreams I was working in professional astronomy doing everything I, I wanted to do, set out everything I wanted to accomplish and did uh, from working in solar physics all the way through the Hubble Space Telescope where I ended my career. All of that was, uh, that was my middle phase. And now I've entered since 2016, my entrepreneurial phase of my life where I'm currently running three businesses simultaneously, uh, all of them small, all of them just me and Charlotte doing our thing with, with earning whatever money we can, uh, to yeah. be diversified, right? Because the mistake I made with, with deep astronomy was I did it solely. Uh, this was right at the time when I decided to go full time. Cause I, prior to this was making some pretty decent money on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. right about that time, they changed the algorithm and I saw my, my viewership, my subscriber rate, all of that start to plummet right about the time I went full time. And, um, I realized what I had to do to make it on YouTube um, and all of these platforms, and wow, that was a lot of work. I mean, basically, you have to give up your life oh, to yeah. be a streamer. Now, you—I mean, if you want to be a Twitch streamer and make any money at it, six, eight hours a day, pretty much mandatory every day. Yeah, but otherwise, you don't you own that business. Your, that business owns no. you. Exactly. So I pivoted, uh, <laughs> You couldn't have said that better myself. So that was something I could not sustain. I might have been able to do it for, I don't know, six months, maybe a year and made some, I don't know, maybe some money at it. But the, the realization came that I didn't, first of all, want to be internet famous. That was something that I didn't really care to be. So as things started to grow, I kind of pulled back out of fear. Um, and then, um, but at the same time, what I was going to have to do to make money at it was something I wasn't sure I wanted to do, which was you know, give these platforms my life. So, um, that, and that happened all the way up until this past year where I started doing other things. And uh, I guess, I don't know, maybe I just always have bad timing with my businesses. <laughs> you can speak yeah. to, you know, you, you seem to have good timing, but I started to, I was going to be a full-time content creator right when the algorithm changed. I was going to be, you know, I was going to go into Airbnb and, and doing uh, property things right at the time of pandemic <laughs> and, <laughs> and caused people to stop traveling. Oh, and man. so I, you know, so I pivoted a little bit, did some houseboat rentals, which I told you about on, on text. Uh, and that happened earlier this year and got me through the summer. So obviously this year I've, is been one of those re, uh, aligning years where I've got to think, where do I want to go in 2021? So I don't have any regrets, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you it was an easy year either. So, um, I mean, I wished I could have spent more time uh, online with my friends, people on discord and on clear skies network, all of these people. Uh, and I hope to do that again this coming year, but, uh, you know, that's about it, I guess. If I had to say a regret, it would be that I didn't get enough opportunity to spend it with people I cared about, um, including you, because you were also busy uh, working and, and doing things uh, on your end of it as well. And I want to get Ian on next. We need to have yeah, Ian. It, I miss Ian. Yeah, uh, me Ian, too. I know you're out there watching. Let's plan on maybe next episode or maybe the episode after that, whenever you're free, man. I want yeah, to hear what's going right on in now. your life. Yeah, I know. He's out I, I spent a year out there. So and he's taken some pretty good pictures on Instagram too. So he's managed to get through the weather
1: uh as well. So um. Yeah, let's definitely get him on. And that's usually a package deal now. So it probably means Kat Machin will come on with him too. Absolutely. I love it, it because he's a lot of fun yeah. too. So yeah, yeah we need to check it, in with, My best with
0: both of them. So let's great do people.
1: That. Um so yeah, man, and in, in the life of an entrepreneur, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but that's that's never goes away right? Like that undulation is there and it's there to stay. It is not for the risk adverse. <laughs> no. It is, it is for people that,
0: that can, but it's new to me it. because I've, I've always been in, in academia where I was clustered. My, my paychecks were always secure, except for the few times when the government might shut down and NASA, NASA might not get paid, which meant I might not get paid. But, um, you know, other than that, I've been clustered, I'm cloistered, I guess, in a, in a cocoon of financial stability and intellectual nirvana, I could just work on anything I wanted to work on with respect to image processing or camera control, all of right. the things that interested me, I could just do. So Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's part of it. I think that's, you know, the thing that separates us as humans, um, there's, there's actually a book I'm, I'm reading right now called, oh, what's it called? The Meaning of Human Existence by a pool. Oh, so Prize light in- reading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but he was, he was talking about, you know, he's um evolutionary biologist, I believe is what he is. Um, but he was talking about how one of the things that really separates us as humans is that we can look forward and imagine different scenarios. And so in anything, and it, it's one of the advantages we have that makes us so good evolutionarily is, is that we can protect ourselves by imagining these different scenarios that could play out in our lives. And then building protective strategies against the ones we don't want. But the other thing, and the thing that I find more important, is that we can look for the ones we do want. Because it's very easy in life to know. They say, like, uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, it's easier to imagine hell than it is heaven, right? Like, it's really easy to know the things you don't want to happen. Like, I don't want to get hit in the face right now, (laughs) right? You know, I can name all (laughs) kinds of stuff that I don't want to happen. But when I start thinking about exactly what I do want, it's a lot harder to nail that down exactly. And so, so um, you know, looking at this and, and digging into the scenarios that you do want, I think that's one of the benefits, that's one of the advantages an entrepreneur has is that you have that ability to choose the direction of the life path. You have the ability to fine tune it, not just choose the direction, but really to, like Lay out the details of exactly what this is going to be. And then once you know A, you know where you are now, and then you define B, this is where I'm going. All the entrepreneur, the only thing standing in the way is laying out the, the steps in between. There's nothing, there's no other bureaucracies to to manage, there's nothing else that's in the way. It's just can you lay out the steps between A and B? And if you can, your life goes the direction that you're trying to achieve, right? And it doesn't even have to be with entrepreneurs. It can be, I'm not saying you have to own your own business to do this. You can do this within a career, like the career you had. You were doing, you had a great career. You were I was right very, where I wanted to be. Yeah, you were making great money and you were. You had all the tool, you had access to everything you, you wanted. But, you know, again, the advantage is being able to sit one, appreciate the fact that you have that, that you have those things. One of the things you had was security. That's not something that any entrepreneur knows anything about. <laughs> no. <laughs> no such no. thing as safety. Um, that's right. So, so um, you know, but once you have those things, it's understanding A. It's really defining, like, where am I? What do I currently have? And then defining B. It's like, well, this is where I am. This is where I want to go. And that's one of the things we can do as humans that, that you know, no other living creatures can is really – imagine a new future like literally defining fate for yourself and then choosing that path you can do it with anything man i mean it's no different with fitness journeys like people that define that fate like i want to do this it's like well now they can lay out the path to get there whether or not they follow it is a different thing but laying yeah. out the path we are capable of doing and then literally if you follow that plan man the chances of succeeding and getting where you're going is very high well what's guiding what's guiding me now
0: is this sense that, and the reason, I mean, a lot of people have asked me, why did you leave a job working with the Hubble Space Telescope earning six figures? Why, why did you leave this job um, to do something so uncertain? And the reason is, is I came to the realization that there, that the real wealth in life isn't has nothing to do with money. It has to do with the number of moments you have in your life left to you. Time is one thing that no amount of money will be able to buy more of. So you've spent a minute, that minute is gone. And so at the end of every day, I was asking myself, did I spend this day, in a way that was worth it to me, right? Did I do it? Can I look back on this? And I was discovering that I was kind of treading water in some of this comfort zone that I was in. You know, I had stability, I had predictability, I knew exactly what was going to happen, I knew what I was going to be doing every day. I've always been this way. Once I've mastered something, I tend to lose interest in it, and so I, I, um, once I feel like I've mastered something, whether I actually have or not, it may be a bit debatable. But it was the amount of time I have ahead of me is way less than the time behind me. And I wanted to make sure that I spent every moment under my own control. So I can, for that reason, I can never go back to the work day world. I can never go back to a nine to five where I need to be at a certain place at a certain time and, you know, do it through things that I'm not deciding what I'm doing. So that was the reason I became an entrepreneur in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so even with the adversities, even with the bad timing of all the things that I chose to do and when they, you know, the, the obstacles that came up, I still look back on those times as worth it because I was under complete control of how I spent those days. And that to me is, that is wealth. That is rich. That is how you, that is the definition of being rich
1: to me. Uh, Absolutely. I think I know it's just it's, a trade-off. You know, it's like, as long as you you work at a place that gives you those things. And that's that's one of the things that I think businesses should, and they don't do this enough, but they should. Leadership in any business should feel obligated to serve its employees, not the other way around. And if they do that, then I think that the employee gets all the advantage of having everything that you're talking about, but also security, you know, also the ability to know and plan out, yeah. uh, which is something that I think it, it's really, it's a healthy thing, not having that stress of not knowing day to day, the next steps. Um, right. that's a very healthy thing, but not enough businesses do that. I had a lot of jobs that I just, man, I hated, I hated yeah. And, right. uh, I couldn't believe that I, I would wake up and I was just like, I, I just got to, I felt like I was getting through my Monday through Fridays to live for Saturday and Sunday. And then I started yeah. thinking, man, I'm living for two out of seven days a week. It's not good. And then I had other jobs I loved and I loved the people I worked for. And I just thought, man, this is, this is great. I hope it lasts forever and we can continue this way. Um, so <laughs> I've seen, I've seen both sides of it, but, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's just really important to know like what you want, man, and make that happen. And astronomy is something that brings that perspective to people more than I think anything else, because it allows you to think differently. You're looking literally further than you ever have away from yourself to better understand yourself. And I think that's exactly the way you do it is you have to understand your surroundings. You have to understand. Right where you are to understand what you are and then you can start making decisions on you know how that story is going to unfold because ultimately it's like you just put it which i really loved men should write a book is ultimately our life story is going to be the sum of all of those little moments and so we have to choose our moments wisely because you That's can right. stop that at any point. Whatever that moment is, that is a piece of that life story. And if you're not choosing the moments you want, man, that life story is going to come and go. You know, Jenny bought me nice. Memento Mori coins that I carry around that just literally means remember death. Because, you know, it's, it's the only thing we know for certain. On a long enough timeline, right. <laughs> survival rate <laughs> drops to zero. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's
0: like, exactly. And these memories, these moments, this, this experience that you've lived is the, is your wealth. That is, that is the wellspring from which your whole life, that's the richness of your life. You know, I joke with Charlotte all the time because she's a workaholic. She loves to always be doing things. She can't just sit around. And I said, honey, can we just stop? We're not going to, when we die, we're not going to be held up at St. Peter's Gate and, and be asked, well, gee, how productive were you on, uh, you know, the, yeah. in this day and that day? Yeah, You're not going to yeah. be remembered for all that I joke yeah. because she's just always doing stuff. How productive were we today? I was like, you know what? Today I just sat on my ass and I had a good day. So In my heated seats, baby. (laughs) That's right. In my heated seats. Sitting next to my on a cold winter's night. Now that's rich right there, right?
1: (laughs) All right. Yeah. You're sitting at those gates and that's the first question they ask you is, but. How productive were you? uh, Were the seats heated? Yeah, man. (laughs) Luxury. That's luxury. Pulling
0: the cord. You know, that's your next the the next raptor needs to come with that as an option, man. You need to like you need to like have a you know, nice uh, heated seat that comes with it. See <laughs> heated seated a heated seat mount. That's what we need. Like a paramount or one of those hobo mounts, right? We need to like put a mm-hmm. put a chair on it and just oh make
1: make a recliner, little cup holder. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, see about. that's that's why you're not in product development. <laughs>
0: I'd be like Homer Simpson, right? It's like, oh well, let's add all let's add, let's add. Guys, all. guys, a cup I have a great and, idea.
1: I have a, a great deep fryer idea. It's like a big we're gonna sell one, and it's to Tony <laughs> <laughs> with a cup holder and a and a
0: microwave, just so I can heat up popcorn. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh yeah you will all not right. be in radiant product development man you're you're you belong right where you are tony
0: <laughs> yeah, i don't don't quit my day job
1: right
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah all right well listen i want to get to some questions uh folks that you guys are asking um uh here uh coming up but i just want to uh say before i go the, the, the some of the big before i do that some of the big events that happened this year in 2020 that I thought were cool. First of all, OSIRIS-REx reaching Bennu. Uh, uh, ha- um, Hayabasa bringing back a thing of um, a little piece of, uh, of, uh, of uh, its asteroid that it went to. I forgot which one off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And the launch of people, human beings, astronauts from uh, the United States uh, soil uh, for from SpaceX were the big things that stuck in for me, followed by... Gaia putting out all of these maps and, and, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, the data that's come from the, the space telescope Gaia, all of those were the, the big momentous things I thought from 2020 that came out of, uh, of this year. So I just wanted to give those guys a shout well, out. And we
1: know, we know people are going back to the moon. Are they though? Do you think they will? Well, I mean, I don't know. Don Pettit sent me, sent me an email with him training underwater, you know, so that they could learn how to maneuver in one sixth gravity. So now we're hoping to have
0: him on a future episode folks too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He'll be coming on. Um, and so I just, you know, I I can't imagine that they're doing that so that he's a better tennis player.
0: Well, I, well, I know, I know. And I would agree with you under ordinary circumstances, but we've been here before with NASA where one president says one thing another comes in and says something else. Uh, we go Mars, moon, Mars, moon, depending on, who's the who's president at a given at a given uh time i hope you're right i yeah, hope i, I think mars is the next the step i want in I mean, I'm, I'm sorry
1: i think the moon is the next step i don't think that i mean the moon, that mar we're, i don't think we're ready for mars yet man I, like i'm excited about it i'm no. not saying don't if do i said it. mars I I,
0: if i misspoke i meant the moon sorry
1: yeah yeah i think we're we we need to spend more time on the moon and really understand human biology in space before we start sending people to Mars.
0: So I, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Definitely go to the moon first, whether we're going to do it in 2024 or not. I don't know. I hope NASA doesn't get tasked with, forget that, go to Mars now. Um, But, you know, hopefully it'll, it'll stay on, on task. And of course the gateway that goes around the moon, I would also hope stays on track as well. Um, Coming up in 2021, the big thing that I'm looking forward to is, jwst launching in halloween that's the big thing i'm looking forward to i hope to crap that thing goes up um that's that's going to be the big news october 31st 2021 is the date so far hopefully it happens what about you what are you looking forward to
1: uh yeah that's the big one i just want to see it successful because it has such like there's so much negativity around it and how many delays and how expensive it is I just want to see that thing get up yeah. and be successful, so that it was all worth it, you know. <laughs> because otherwise, yeah. it's just it's going to be one more reason politically for future things to be shot down. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, it's going to launch. I just, uh, I just don't know exactly when. I mean, um, well, I mean, I, it's, it's I, still
1: like launching is a very dangerous thing. It's got to get up there and then be successful once it's out there. Yeah. Well,
0: that's just going to be the start of the problems. Getting it up into space is the beginning of a long list of things. It has to go absolutely 100% perfect. It's going to spend six weeks deploying, right? Just unfolding out of that rocket uh, tube. So it's going to take six weeks to do that before it even gets to L2. Anything there's like 8 billion things that can go wrong between the launch and getting to L2. Um, all, everything has to go perfectly. It's going to be sphincter closing time for those, for those of us who've been following this mission for any length of time. Is that the I'll scientific
1: term? It is. Um, it is. It, in yeah, fact, yeah, I, so, a scientist, I knew you worked in yeah, scientists. professional. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. This is the sphincter's phase. Uh, we aren't even sphincter phase of the mission, everyone. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah. let's talk to the project manager how do you feel about this phase well it's really good <laughs> <laughs> we're really hoping for the best <laughs> uh,
1: yeah for that's the that's <laughs> all you can do man everybody here at nasa's got their fingers crossed you know it's that's about all i can say um well let, let's get let's get to the questions
0: man you got some questions for us Oh, here it is. From, uh, from learning, um, from learning place, he's asking, um, how to find moving space junk using telescopes. Is it possible? Sorry, I just joined. Um, so I think he's asking about, uh, uh, using amateur telescopes to find space junk.
1: It absolutely is possible. It's possible with very inexpensive telescopes, actually, because they don't necessarily have to be equatorial. Um, and so... Yeah, you you'll find this stuff pretty pretty quickly. There's a lot of it out there, and so there are a ton. It's called SSA, Space Situational Awareness. There's an entire industry around this, um, but it's part of what our professional services team does on a daily basis. Is works with companies on SSA, making sure that they can find and you know they have to locate and then track all of this space junk so that it doesn't bring missions down because. That stuff out there, it's moving fast. You know, at minimum, it's going to be moving 18,000 miles an hour. Um, Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it can bring something down in a hurry. And so you can do this from your backyard, though. A lot of the professionals are doing it uh, with things like Celestron Rasa's and, um, you know, fast scopes. Really a lot of different brands. Really wide field. Yeah, wide wide field field stuff. Um, and then when they're looking for smaller things, they go with the bigger scope. So you might have like a big TPO. We see a lot of TPO 16 inch scopes used for this. Um, even though they're slower, they're wanting to get higher resolution, uh, longer focal length so that you can find smaller and smaller objects out there. Because really, it doesn't take much. If you had, uh, what did what did Don tell us at that dinner? He said a fingernail could blow through the International Space Station, right? So... Yeah. Um, You know, you really got to have something that you got to find it. You just you got to put in the effort to find that stuff to make sure that things that do go up. It's like we're just talking about um, the James Webb. That thing goes up. You don't want it taken out by a a loose bolt. (laughs) Exactly. Although I will say this, uh, you're going to have a hard time
0: in the future, I think, uh, learning place not seeing space junk the best the best time to see it through your telescopes is in the dusk and dawn hours because the geometry of things in orbit and the sun and where you are all of those things conspire to make reflections right that you can see really bright that's why we can see the iss uh, at the you know but actually it's a little bit higher but a lot of the space junk you're going to have a hard time avoiding in the coming years especially as starlink launches 42,000 satellites in space you're going to be like damn sp- that won't be space junk at least well it depends on how you look at it <laughs> but it won't <laughs> yeah. oh man what so you think of starlink but but yeah it'll yeah. be like damn it's in my it's in my image again satellite trails and all that stuff that's that's not space junk those are working s- satellites but same idea right you s- still see this stuff up in space yeah um okay so in a s- i don't know how to say is is um uh, his handle in a in she pro this is on clear skies network. Dustin, I have a question. Can you record OPT Academy and let us watch them? You know, that's a good idea. I've seen you do this and you're actually really good at it. You should record it. Make,
1: we do these videos Record every one of them. And uh, we actually have an internal um, database of all of these. And we've, we've talked about it a lot and we probably will start releasing them um, under the the title OPT university Um, but yeah, so what this is, is every single day we have, um, someone teach the staff different parts of astronomy. So, you know, different parts of astrophotography, it might be that day, it might just be a single piece of equipment or it might be a concept. Um, but everybody that's customer facing at OPT has to go through this and learn these things so that we make sure for one, that we know what we're talking about when people call because they're, you know, we are the defense against buying the wrong thing and wasting money. Um, but, you know, it it would be a good thing. And it's definitely something we want to put out there. It's just putting it out there in a format and in a way that uh, makes sense. So maybe what we'll end up doing is like putting out a website like OPT University, and uh, just making it all available. But there's a ton of great information. And for people like us that geek out on this stuff. Yeah, it would be easy to sit there and and, uh, watch for hours because it's a lot of time, uh, 30 to 45 minutes every single day that that happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really a good resource that you offer your employees. And, and I think it's, it's, you know, it's, you're making an, an, obvious investment in them because what they learn and and the kinds of things that they're, they're struggling either, either they don't know it or they do know it, but they're getting better background, uh, can only help uh the knowledgeability of the staff so i think it's awesome what you're doing
1: yeah you know it's funny i saw this uh this meme a while back and i was like usually memes are just meant to be funny this one's actually pretty interesting um and it had two ceos talking and um it said well what what if you invest in your employees and then they leave and the other ceo said (laughs) well what if we don't and they stay (laughs) right
0: That is a great response. Yeah.
1: Yes. Exactly. That is a great response. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's exactly it, man. You gotta you gotta believe in your team and you have to be a company that's worth staying at, you know, and uh just invest like hell into everybody being the best they possibly can. And that's the, the company is no better than it's the people in the team. And so just make the people as as good as possible at everything they do. Okay.
0: Let me just say Happy New Year to you guys in Central uh, Europe, uh, Galaxia. Happy New Year! It is now, I think, um, uh, the 2021 where you are. So let me be the first to say Happy New Year to you. Um, okay, so this is also from Galaxia, who I just wished happy bir- happy birthday to, Happy New Year to. Um, how do you celebrate New Year's Eve in the U.S.? Tony and Dustin, is it a traditional thing in the U.S. that you watch Times Square in New York City on TV, for instance? i don't know what do you do dustin i don't think there's a tradition
1: well i guess you could call so tony and i do a like we both put on onesies and we do a zoom rollerblading dance off (laughs) and so that's probably the only tradition we've been doing that for 15 years yeah yeah Um, man it goes way back but yeah my rollerblades are kind of messed up tony so we might not be able to do that this year oh damn thanks for telling me last minute man i just (laughs) bought some new onesies with a butt flap on it no i can't (laughs) (laughs) i can't show them
0: off man yeah Um, yeah well you can still do
1: it and i'm happy to stream it for you (laughs) yes and depending on how much scotch i drink i might even sing during the whole thing so oh nice uh, that'd be even better uh, (laughs) but yeah no 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 real traditions um for me anyway yeah Yeah.
0: say me either i don't i'm an introvert and i do not like huge crowds and i stay um, yeah yeah, I'd, I'd stay even even when there isn't a pandemic I don't go out to clubs or any of that kind of stuff I just spend a quiet night my uh, it, when back in the day uh, when my boys were young uh Connor my oldest son his birthday is the 29th and so it was always like we, we had we had Hanukkah then we had Christmas and then we had his birthday and by the time his birthday was over we were all pretty tired and so I just spent New Year's Eve watching movies in fact I'm gonna be doing that tonight I'm gonna be watching uh, Battlestar Galactica on BBC uh because it's cloudy here so um and that is also but it reminds me of a really important thing that happened in 2020 for me dustin gave me a 20 inch uh skywatcher dobsonian and that has changed my evenings (laughs) forever and um so I just want to say thank you Dustin that was an amazing thing and and I'm planning on using it uh, in the coming year to do some more streaming so I'm just getting trying to figure out a good setup before I do it so and we were happy to do it man
1: you it. share so much with the community the, the people need to give back to you and uh, we were so happy to do it and now you've got you've got the right tool for the job
0: yep and it, you know me because i like eyepieces and so a 20 inch aperture is definitely necessary to uh, get the most out of it so uh thank you very much and my goal guys uh for those of you following the deep astronomy stuff that i do uh, is to uh set up a halfway decent streaming setup so that we can get together and share it all of us uh looking through uh the the uh, telescope so that was a big if you thing can't to
1: see it with the seven and a half foot tall telescope you shouldn't be looking tony yeah the universe I, has I gone know, way right. out of its way to hide it from you i well as i said
0: i've actually moved into it so i live in the, te- in yeah. the telescope too could now, so i'm in the i'm i'm, I'm behind you underneath could. the primary that's my that's my little yeah hole, you so. know i said i wasn't <laughs> going
1: to talk about the negative things in 2020 but i can tell you breaking that thing down to ship it to you was among <laughs> the was worst parts of my 2020
0: <laughs> it Picking came up in the mirror
1: yeah, yeah my back's still I, not right well, I do appreciate the effort, my friend. It was awesome. We had to all ship right. it to you so, on two pallets, man.
0: <laughs> it was. I know it came on two yeah. pallets here, and I'm like, oh wow, okay, I better get to work. Uh, uh, and it did. It took me. It took me two days to put it all together. <laughs> it okay, though. so yeah, yeah, it was awesome. So what, look, look for seeing. The, we'll, we'll do some streaming on that, probably on Clear Skies Network and also on Deep Astronomy Twitch uh, channel as well. Um, so we'll we'll give that be looking for that in the coming year. Uh, Chris wants to know, when is JWST going to launch? In a year or two. I just mentioned that briefly. Uh, JWST is going to launch tentatively October 31st, 2021. And NASA is adamant that's when it's going to happen. I actually want to start a betting pool. My money is on March of 2022. Um, That's just, I just think that because I know how NASA works. So anyway, October 31st next year is the scheduled launch date. Matthew Fison on uh, YouTube is commenting, I started with binoculars so I could use them for bird watching too, to be honest. That's right. A lot of these telescopes can be multi-use or uh, whether you get binoculars for that. Uh, spotting scopes are also good for two different things at once. Uh, lots of reflectors. The Raptor. Well, no, the Raptor couldn't because that's mostly for uh, imaging. But um, yes, a lot of these things we are actually, dual. We, we just
1: put outputs. out a visual back because there was so much request for it. So now you can you use the Raptor with an eyepiece you did i'll yep. be damned yeah there's a visual Gee. back for it now you know it's still not recommended there are better scopes to use visually but if it's the if you're going to have one scope and you're mostly going to do imaging we thought you know if you already got eyepieces you want to throw them in you, you can definitely it's a it's going to be sharp
0: <laughs> yeah wow i got it
1: now i have to check this out
0: i did not know you did that that's awesome <laughs> ian goes tony uh tony is internet famous in my book well thank you ian you are internet famous to me too I miss hanging out with you, man. You, I, God, I laughed so hard with him. Uh, he just, just such a great guy. I can't wait to do another podcast. Yeah. He has
1: the most contagious laugh of anyone I've ever met in my life, man. The dude just walked through yeah. OPT halls laughing. And then you hear everybody cracking <laughs> up in the building, man.
0: <laughs> I know. It's just, I, I sometimes just look at him and I, just, I see him on video or whatever. And it's just like that blooper reel you guys came up with, by the way, was a piss. I loved watching that thing. <laughs> I didn't even know they were doing that, man. Yeah. So, the, you know, if you don't know what I'm talking about on on the OPT YouTube channel and maybe other places, but I saw it on YouTube. Uh, they posted a blooper reel for all the videos that they're making. Yeah, it was funny. Of course, Ian oh, yeah. was was prominent in that.
1: Yeah, they sent it to me a day before they released it, and uh, I, I was laughing so hard I was crying, man. Watching yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> anyone that hasn't seen it, you can see it at OPT telescopes on youtube um but yeah they they put out a a blooper reel of us trying to record all the videos that we do for uh the youtube i mean all of the the uh product demos and tutorials all that stuff it comes out well at the end but you get to see behind the scenes how bad it is and we're really trying Uh to make it and it's It's funny. It's really funny. Oh,
0: it was was a great five minutes, folks. You got to go check it out. And uh, it it was really good. All right. Well, I think that's it for most of the questions. I'm seeing a lot of great comments, but I don't want to take up too much time. I want to thank everybody, though, for spending time to join us on this live stream. I will get this video, this episode out, uh, by tomorrow because it's new New Year's and I want it out as soon as possible. So I'm going to spend some time doing that. Dustin dude, I hope your 2021 is ever bit as good as the last year. And thank you for all you've done for me. And, um, I just, I wish nothing but good things for you guys, man.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And the, the team uh, the team is definitely making it happen, man. I have all the faith in the world in them. And that, that includes you, Tony. So thank you. And to everybody that supported OPT this year um, and, and in the years previous, we appreciate you more than you know. Thank you so much for making it possible for us to live out this dream and continue to you know drive this hobby and this perspective forward. It's uh, what we live to do. So uh, a very sincere thank you to everyone that makes that possible. We, we very much appreciate it. Appreciate you. Most definitely. And uh,
0: let's hope that this year of, of 2021 is full of clear skies for all of you. So on behalf of Dustin Gibson, I'm going to sign off for this year. Uh, and we're looking forward to another 2021. Thank you for listening to Space Junk Podcast. This is a labor of love for both of us, and uh, we we got lots of things planned for you coming up in this coming year with this podcast, so stay tuned and follow us on Spotify as well as iTunes, anywhere. Basically, podcasts are available, and uh, we will, uh, will be coming out every week. You guys are awesome. Thank you guys for listening, and as always, keep looking up.